Hey, welcome everyone. It's the Milking Podcast episode 43 that you've just downloaded. Thank you very much for joining us again. This is a quick caveat before we begin uh, to say apologies for the audio quality on this particular episode. Um, there is an unfortunate crackle across the whole thing, um, which is, I'm sorry to admit, my fault. Um, I've just realigned all of my audio bits and pieces and uh, replugged in the microphone, etc. And it seems to have sorted the issue. So I'm sorry I was blaming Boo yesterday. Um, I still maintain that the previous episodes with Scroob, it was his uh, his end that were causing the issues. Um, however, uh, apologies, as I say. Uh, it is a crackle, but hopefully it won't get in the way of you enjoying this, the Milking It podcast, episode 43. Welcome everyone to the Milking It Podcast, the podcast that tugs the teeth of popular culture until it explodes all over your face. As always, I'm David Davis. And I believe that the Lord God created the universe. I believe that he sent his only son to die for my sins. And I believe that ancient Jews built boats and sailed to America. I am a Mormon, and a Mormon just believes. It's Boulamont. And here we are, it's episode 43. Can you imagine episode 43? And this week, like some genetically modified fruit, we are pipless. Indeed, uh, Scroobius Pip joined us for the last two episodes, and great episodes they were too. Well, thank you so much for downloading, and uh, the, the feedback we've got was that most people enjoyed them, and uh, they're looking forward to more in the future. Who knows? So we're going to leave wrestling behind this week, I believe, because this week we're going to take our usual peek through the week of Geek. Yes, Dave, we're going to leave it all behind in the ring and step up to the plate of the geeky newsness. That's right, ba- ladies and gentlemen, it's the Milk in It podcast. I've got the Okay, so like we said, it's episode 43 of the Milking It podcast. Thank you very much for joining us. I'm David Davis, joined with Boo Lamont, and we're going to talk about, well, everything geeky this week. We're going to d- d- dismiss the structure of a normal Milking It podcast, I think, and just have a bit of a chit-chat and a catch-up and things that have been going on. So, Boo, what has what's piqued your interest, sir? There's been many things in the last few weeks, David. Hmm. Um, shall we start with a bit of Lego? Oh, yes. We always love to talk about Lego on the Milking It podcast. <laughs> two, what could be more entertaining than two grown men <laughs> talking about our brick toys? Absolutely. Um, there's been, yeah, well, there's two or three different things that we could talk about with Lego, but uh, we'll, we'll start with the announcement, which uh, we kind of semi-announced. Thanks to a spoiler at the end of uh, Batman 3, the uh, Lego game that just came out, is that they have confirmed that Jurassic World is coming out later in the year, uh, which will not just be the latest film, but will also be the uh, previous films, as in the one really good one and the other two really poor sequels. Um, So they'll be covered by the, the, the Lego universe. Dave, it's been my dream for years to play as a Lego Jeff Goldblum, and uh, finally, um, I can. 
Well, there you go. Absolutely, they're, they're never going to make the uh, the Lego Tall Guy movie. So I would imagine <laughs> we're <laughs> wow, dude. That is a you could have gone with the fly. You went with the tall guy. <laughs> you know, Dave. I was wondering when I was watching movies, what's missing? And I realised what's missing. It's Rowan Atkinson beating up Jeff Goldblum, and, and there it was. God, I haven't seen that film. In, uh, sorry, let me just the tall guy. Write that down. One for A wonderful reference, Dave. Thank you. Yes, Jurassic World, uh, Lego Jurassic World uh, is available in June and it will be on everything from PC to PS3, 3DS, PS4, Vita, Wii U, Xbox 360, and Xbox One. And as they've said, it covers the first three movies uh, and the new Jurassic World, which I'm actually quite looking forward to. Um, It's been a while since we've had a decent dinosaur movie, but this is definitely going to whet the appetite in the form of a Lego video game because we love a bit of Lego yeah I mean did you see the trailer for Jurassic World that they put up for the on the Super Bowl spot recently just it's the Super Bowl commercial um, yeah it looks I, again I'm sticking with it I think it looks very good and it's definitely going to atone for the sins of the past I would hope so yeah it, it does look like it is, it's going to Chris Pratt I think is going to be uh, absolutely fantastic in it and um, it, I'm, I'm hoping I've got the actor right then. When I just I just said that, I had a, I had a milking it moment of thinking, am I getting... I mean, right Chris, there? let's announce Ghostbusters so no one gets pissed off that he's possibly <laughs> being cast as Indiana Jones, Pratt. I, yes, thank you. And uh, the, the thing that came into my mind when I saw him on the motorcycle was young Indiana Jones. Um, and it looks like he is going to be uh, the Indiana Jones. Well, they want him for Indiana Jones uh, in terms of a sort of uh, a remake uh, or a reboot or part of the franchise uh, being extended. So I'm hoping they don't try and reboot the whole thing. I'm hoping they just do it. And uh, I was listening to another podcast. They said exactly the same thing. Um, hoping they do it in a kind of James Bond way where you just the character remains the character. You don't have to back reference the other movies. You can just enjoy an adventure with that character for a couple of hours. Well, that's the whole point of a reboot is not is um, Indiana Jones never really had the origin story until uh, The Last Crusade did he? Mm, yeah with his <laughs> with his father yes <laughs> Junior, Junior Junior you're calling yourself Indiana that's the dog's name um <laughs> no, that was a wonderful impression I'm not sure who of but it was a wonderful <laughs> impression I've um, got your number Trebek um, it's every, sorry. every week it gets more like uh, Ross Abbott working with Les Dennis from back in the day. Um, yes, and, 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 and the fat lady who was always funny. Bella um, Emberg, you mean? Yes. Thank you. I used to love a bit of Ross Abbott. There we go. Yes, Ross Abbott's Fun Hour or whatever it was called. On a, See a, you, a Jimmy. Um, <laughs> Ladies right. and gentlemen, you're listening to Milky Podcast. It is 2015. Um, We're talking about the Ross Oh, if you don't remember Russ Abbott, it sounded a bit like this. You can't shut your granny up a bus. Oh, you can't shut your granny up a bus. Oh, you can't shut your granny. She's a mammy's mammy. You can't shut your granny up a bus. Oh, you can't shut your granny up a bus. Oh, you can't shut your granny up a bus. You can shove her out a plane Or see you to this train But you can't shove your granny up a bus All together move! You can't shove your granny up a bus Or you can't shove your granny up a bus Ah, see? Oh, but Dave, I mean, we're all we're all laughing, we're all smiling It's funny, but then I got a bit of news last week that, that brought the mood down oh. And I'm determined to have this out with you, sir, because Oh, really? Yes, Dave. 
when there's something strange in your neighbourhood, mm. who are you going to call? Are you going to really call Melissa McCarthy? Yes. Mm. That's the announcement last week that Paul Fage's Ghostbusters movie is a go-ahead, uh, or the Fembusters is, is been put ahead oh, for a 2016 release um, with the wonderful Kristen Wiig. Mm. They're getting there slowly but surely, Leslie Jones. The wonderful Kate McKinnon and, um, and the State Puff Marshmallow Man. So, basically... Oh, dude. Um, no, dude, I... It's, it's got nothing to do with the fact that she's not funny. It's got nothing to do with the fact that she's not fat, uh, that she's fat. It's got nothing to do with the fact that even her presence on screen ruins, it could ruin even the greatest movie. It's the fact that it's called Ghostbusters. I wouldn't care if this was a paranormal investigation comedy movie about a bunch of women who go like ghost hunting. That's fine. But the fucking cash hungry Hollywood machine have taken the name Ghostbusters. It's not even the movie that bothers me. It's the fact that they're using the name. But what? They, they're, they're insinuating that it's some kind of Ghostbusters movie. When one of the Ghostbusters is, te- is dead, and the other three may as well be, in, in compared to the go- you know, in in terms of Ghostbusters. Okay, I I take a slightly different stance <laughs> than uh, Mr. Lamont. If you want to hear the full rant, um, Boo does another podcast, we've mentioned it many times, called The Totally Insane Tape Show. Um, him and Dino get into it about this particular subject in one of the most recent episodes. Check them out, they're on iTunes, Stitcher, YouTube, SoundCloud, all over the place. Um, yeah. But we'll, we'll keep this brief, because there's like 18 months to go till this film comes out, and I'm sure every little drip, drip, drip bit of news that comes through, um, Boo and I will have something to say about it. However, we do, we are very polarising opinions on this one. Boo, as you hear, heard, is not a fan. Uh, he doesn't like women. He has some serious oh! issues. Oh! I'm joking. I'm joking. Not only, do I love, not only do I like women, but I love some of the women that are that have been cast. I told you, Kristen Wiig, <clears throat> I, any long-time <laughs> listeners will know that I am obsessed with Saturday bed, Night Live. Just I'm obsessed with Saturday Night Live. And she was the shining light for, for like three seasons. That She was on it for longer than that. There are There were great cast members with her. But there was a point when Kristen Wiig was the thing to see in Saturday Night Live. And I love her. I think she's fantastic. Um, for, our, for the more British fans of the uh, for the Milk Podcast, mm-hmm. she was the female character in the Simon Pegg movie, Paul. Yes. Yeah, she was the female lead in that, yes. And was very good, despite the, the film not being particularly uh, up there with the, the uh, other uh, films that they've done. Um, okay, so my stance, my Raymond stance, if you will, my my stance on the film is uh, I am more than happy for them to use the Ghostbusters name. I'm more than happy for them to develop a brand new story with it because at the end of the day, it's the it's the Ghostbusters, man. I'm I would rather see um, a, a new bunch of people involved uh, taking the name, the franchise, and trying something different with it than than try and trot out the previous characters. We've seen them in two movies. We saw them in a really good computer game, which pretty much kind of put an end was to Ghostbusters it. 3 for all intents and purposes it was, wasn't completely it? and so that's fine um, I understand why Ivan Reitman probably has a bit of an issue with it and he feels that it's a very scary thing to do because that was his franchise movie that was the movie that he made and you know he never did anything after that which equaled what he managed to achieve with Ghostbusters it was that bizarre cult hit it was that well not even cult hit it was a mainstream cult hit if there's a, ever such a thing um 
I have absolutely no problem with it. I played Ghostbusters as a kid. I wasn't part of the original team, and I felt like I wanted my story show. So it's just that thing. It's some people taking the idea and playing with the characters. The idea of like Batman Incorporated when they went and they they did get, oh. you know the franchise of Batman around the world. That, which that's is a the great other story thing, right? by Grant Morrison, which genuinely yes. worked really well. Would work really well as a, as a series or as a computer game or as a film. This to me is th- that idea. It's that idea of taking these characters, doing something different with them. Bill Murray, it, it sounds like, has been pitched to be involved. Not no, as, no, no. He's, not he's as... Already, no, no. He's already flat out said he's not going to be in it. This is like in the last couple of days. Bill Murray's being courted. He has no interest in it whatsoever. But then that's fine. If, if anything, probably better that he doesn't. Because and what made me really just sad pulling was people towards that idea of what could Dan it be. Dan Aykroyd's obviously being given a nice cut from uh, Sony Pictures who are producing it. Yeah, because it's his... And then he's had to come out and say... He's had to come out and say, kind of, I support this. But but what? What? What what makes you think that he's had to say that? Why why can't he feel that this is something that he... Actually, because Ernie Hudson's, a good idea. Ernie Hudson's not getting a penny from it. As well, he shouldn't. No one knew who oh, Ernie wait. Hudson was so before the fucking thing. So he's system, able man. to tell the truth about it. I don't believe Dan Aykroyd is genuinely happy with this. I really don't. I would reckon... And he's got nothing to... And this is the worst thing about it, Dave. And I've had I've had to have other women come in and protect me from the, in the internet. I don't even know. Because every time I shoot this movie down with a well-thought-out argument, I'm accused of being a sexist, a troll, a bigot. I don't give a fuck that they're women. I don't want any film no, coming I'm, out and they're Ghostbusters. I'm not arguing anything to do with the fact that it's women involved or men involved or you know anything. As far as I'm concerned, they could have done it as an animated movie. They could have done it in live action. It doesn't Dave, matter. It's hate bait. It's and right. it's pandering to the. You know, there is a real sex divide at the moment where. Oh, I can't even. This isn't the place to go into. But no, but the place is the totally insane tape show, which is available. I'm not even going to go into it on <laughs> that. I need, I need some kind of political forum. Um, it's just a shame that people think this is progressive because it's not. There have been female-led comedies um, since forever. Uh, the Witches of Eastwick. Um, the main three characters are women. All very good. All very good actors. Uh, Fried green tomatoes at the Whistle Stop Cafe. That's a great little coming. There's so many. And, you know, uh, people didn't go, oh, Charlie's Angels, how progressive. They're all women and they all kick ass. Do you know that there is an an Expendables movie coming out with all women? That's progressive. That's an action movie. That famously, in the 80s, had people like Cynthia Rockwell and and Bridget Nielsen. But what is progressive is the fact (laughs) that these guys and and a number of these, (laughs) these guys... A number of these uh, women who uh, were involved in, in this, or going to be involved in this film, were involved in Bridesmaids. And Bridesmaids wasn't a film that was expected to be a massive success. It was a massive success because they took charge and they did the film that they wanted to make. And it, it was a, you know, it's a decent enough film. I enjoyed it. it you know, it made me laugh in a few places. I haven't gone back to watch it since I watched it the first David time. David didn't cash in on good. a single name, did it? it didn't Precisely. Cash in. It's an original but again, story. But that's the whole point: is that they did that off their own bat and they made that film a massive success for uh, like Sony Pictures or Warners or whoever it was so at this point now they go brilliant you've done your own thing you've made this wonderful kind of indie hit quote unquote even though it wasn't indie because it was mainstream production what can you do with this 
take this. What you know, take this franchise. This. Take this franchise, which is dead in the water because we don't have any of the original cast who are interested in doing anything else with it. If we stick a four guys in it, all it's going to be, all that's going to happen is it's going to be judged against the originals and it's going to fall on its ass. So let's take it in a totally different direction. Let's throw some different ideas at it. Let's get some people talking. We'll use that franchise name of the Ghostbusters to get people through the door to watch it. And whether you love it or hate it, we're still sat here having probably the third conversation we've had about this thing across two different podcasts that's going to be echoed around the world every time they make any single decision on this particular film I am personally on board I will be there day one I will go and see this film well, Dave, not, for any political, not for any you're political you're talking bridesmaid <laughs> that was like 2011 yeah. bridesmaid was 2011 yeah that was the last successful movie he made since then there's been shit like identity thing heat with fucking what's her name the Sandra Bullock they've they've bombed since then but then, and they're what, so, still so, allowing them yeah, so, what, so Will Will Ferrell's never made a Duff movie. Adam Sandler's never made a Duff movie. You know, it, it, made Duff every... movies, but all of that shit made a horrific amount of money. though. Adam Sandler things like the Identity Thief and that kind of thing because it, it's you know dare I say it, it it's those kind of films that will continue to run on things like Netflix and make money for them. You know, it doesn't have to be a massive box office success. Talking in that in those terms, Dave, Xanadu's made its money back, and that was one of the biggest flops of all time, and that's made its money back over the last twenty, thirty years, based on DVD sales and video sales and stuff. You know, by that, by, you're saying by that turn, nothing can be a flop. These movies were a flop. Identity. I mean, would you seriously put down hard-earned money to watch a film like that? Personally, no, because it's not my kind of film. But Ghostbusters is my kind of film. Not not because I know anything about the plot, but because it's got the word Ghostbusters in it. I am oh. one of those guys who will just go sheep-like to go and see that film because it has the word Ghostbusters. That's the problem. And I love you, buddy, but that you're the person. You're the people that are going to make it successful, even though I guarantee it's going to be dreadful. They're, because not because of it, again, it could be the best film ever, but because it's got that cynical Ghostbusters name in it. It's just. Just gonna have so I, many. I don't, I don't see the problem. That what, what else are they gonna do with that franchise? Leave it alone. Well, then, if, if the alternative is we never get another Ghostbusters film, then give me this, man. I will take this over no Ghostbusters whatsoever. That's like saying as long as you know. Uh, that's the difference. Well, I need. I, uh, <laughs> making me choke on my own rage here, David. That's like saying, well, I'm not gonna eat again. So here's some shit. Oh, I'm gonna eat this shit because there's nothing, nothing else to eat. Yeah, because if the alternative is you starve to death, then I'll eat the shit. And on that bombshell, kids, let's have, <laughs> let's have a word from our sponsors. Dave eats shit. That's right here on the fucking podcast. <laughs> Dropping a load to satisfy all of your hungry needs. Hungry toilet mouth strikes again. <laughs> I have been described as having a shit-eating grin. Uh, okay, so sh- let, shall we have a hug and make up and, and move on to the next subject? Let's, let's have Ghostbusters. a quick hug. We're going to play a couple of adverts, kids. We're going to Boo and I are going to hug it out. We'll be back in two seconds. Greetings, podcast fans. Uh, I'm Mossman, off of 80s cartoon Masters of the Universe. And as you can imagine, since that cartoon finished, I've had plenty of time on my hands to check out all the geeky podcasts on the internet. And trust me when I say, the best one around is the Milking It podcast. They review films, TV, comics, wrestling, 
and anything else from the week of geek. And what's more, you can get it on iTunes, you can get it on Stitcher, or you can get it on direct link from the milkingitpodcast.com. That's milkingitpodcast.com. So, check out David Davis on the Totally Insane Tape Show's own Boulamont on the Milking It Podcast now! <laughs> anyway, guys, gotta get going. I've just had a very strange text from Ram Man about his battered rosebud. <laughs> Sounds like Fisto's been messing about in his garden again. Take it easy! Join Josh Armour and Todd Eastman every Friday for Wrestle Radio Australia. Covering WWE, TNA, Ring of Honor and Australian Pro Wrestling. Exclusive interviews including Buddy Murphy, Adam Pearce, TV legend Rose McManus and many others. Download for free on iTunes or Stitcher and stream us on the TuneIn Radio app. It's Australia's wrestling broadcast. It's Wrestle Radio Australia. that feeds on the sick and demented which once haunted videos that were rented are back to turn the blood to ice of all of those who own a personal digital device on VHS, DVD and Blu-ray too in your pants it may make you Therefore, celebrate and rejoice Peppers and Lamont as they tell tales of films you should and should not want. The Totally Insane Tape Show is something you should not fear. Listen to it with some food snacks and a beer. To find it, go to iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud and TuneIn Radio... No excuses to these sites. You must go. And to find out whence the evil comes from, go online and look at totallyinsanetapepro.com. <laughs> Alright people, this is your mate Stell, host of the great football podcast known as Shoot the Defence. Join me, John, Andy, Mike, Stuffy, and whoever else can be bothered to appear every Thursday night at 10.30pm. Mixler.com forward slash Shoot the Defence. We're informative, opinionated, sometimes controversial, and have one or two face palm moments. I have a dream. <laughs> Mr. Malcolm X. We're on iTunes, Stitcher, ah, and we have our own website, shootthedefense.com. Shoot the Defense. Play on. In New Orleans, Louisiana, art is coming to life. There's nothing we love more here on the Milk and It podcast than a decent tattoo, and there's only one place we dare recommend you go. That's Bayou Queen Body Arts Tattoo Studio in New Orleans. That's 8630 Oak Street, New Orleans, Louisiana. Check them out on Facebook at Bayou Queen Body Art and get yourself down to Uptown and get yourself some ink from some of the world's finest tattoo artists. Bayou Queen Body Arts. Supposed to be recording like a half hour ago. Stood around like some sort of fucking lemon waiting for him. 
got my notes I've actually prepared this week. I'm not having to rely on him. Let's have a look out the window. Is it around? I can see this now. Oh, here he is. Oh, hang on. Yep, here he is. Coming up the stairs. Do, 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 do. Oh, ho, 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 Bully! Where did you get that yes. T-shirt, you you sexy pig? I've never found you so attractive. Dave, I've never felt more attractive than while wearing this T-shirt. It says, got milking it. That's right, Milking It merch is now available. You can have Boulamont and Dave Davis across your chest 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, and it's all available via a link on the milkingitpodcast.com. Milkingitpodcast.com. I also hear they sell mugs so I can have your hot liquid tipped into my mouth. Whenever you want. (laughs) Stand aside, boo. Let me do that keyboard. I'm going to do some shopping. Okay, so we've, we've, we've put it hey, to one da, side. Hold on, Dave, bring it in. It's never quite again, okay? Okay, never. okay. Shh, just, just let me... No, Dave, get your hand off. Sorry, sorry. For, never force, fight of, again. force of habit. So. Ooh, sorry, fans. Okay, so we, we will leave GB well alone for the time being, oh, and okay. we'll, we'll promise not to discuss it unless there's something very, very important to tell you, <laughs> uh, such as the set burning down or something like that. Um... <laughs> Talking of supernatural uh, behaviour, um, we'll we'll flit around various topics today. But one of the things that has uh, upset me, uh, not all, not as much as uh, Boo got upset about GB, but um, Grim Fandango, a, a computer game that we've spoken about many times here on the oh, Milky yes. Podcast. One of my favourite point-and-click adventures of all time. One of the sort of lost wonders of the LucasArts world. Uh, been quite a difficult one to play over the past sort of fifteen, sixteen years, unless you've. Uh, sort of mined the depths of eBay and the internet um, has finally got its re-release as a uh, special edition on uh, I believe it's on PC and PlayStation 4 because I'm and PS Vita which ah, is okay, the bit yes. that appeals to me the most because it means I can sit on a train and reap the dip yes indeed and um, so far so good it's getting sort of 9.3s across the board I was looking at Metacritic earlier today and it's uh, it's absolutely cave which is it's really great to see an old school game like that um, polish up really nice and uh, and get some really good reviews I believe Mr. Boo you have been playing yes, this I have been playing it and um, did you play the original or? I did play the original and I couldn't get anywhere right I couldn't even I couldn't get out of the you can leave the building and you can go up to the bit where the clown's doing the balloon animal mm-hmm. and you can go in the alleyway yep. and you could go in the underground car park bit. Yes. I've never seen beyond that, um, beyond that little square. And now thanks to the magic of what I didn't have back then, which is the internet, um, I've been able to progress a little bit. And do you know what? It's awesome. It is. It's a, it's a beautiful game. It was a beautiful game at the time and it, it does look as if they've um, sort of upped the lighting and some of the textures and stuff. Interesting that the, uh, uh, looking at a review today, um, the, the backgrounds they haven't actually had to do much to those other than just use the original high res uh, renders of the backgrounds because they were so beautiful um, yes. when they first did it. It's really it nice. Still looks, sort of it still well. has this wonderful art aesthetic, David. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I'll be honest, it just looks. It's not really changed the graphics. That it just looks a bit. Um, Brighter and a bit clearer, but I mean, for me, I'm 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 going to get it on PSV to when I go travelling. But at the moment, I'm playing on PC with a PS4 pad. Ah, okay, right. So control-wise, it, it sort of maps across okay, and it's the same. It, it'd be the same controls as if you played it on PlayStation, but it's got what they call tank controls. Okay. Um, 
where you have to kind of point yourself in the direction you want to walk and then hold it up to move. Resident Evil style. Yes, yeah, well, that, that was how it was originally on the, the PC, I remember. But as far as I'm aware, there's another option where you can just play it straight like a, like a console game. So you don't really have to twist, you can just move the camera and... Um, I haven't looked at it yet because I'm just, I, I was so desperate to get on it straight away that I didn't really mess with the settings. Yeah. Put into it. Voice acting's class. Um, soundtrack oh, I can actually amazing. progress a little bit. The soundtrack's fantastic. Mm-hmm. I actually just left it running in the background the other day. There's some great uh, YouTube collections if, if you're interested. Uh, so if you go on there and just type in Grim Fandango soundtrack, there is literally, I think, about two or three hours worth of just looping music. Uh, from I mean, games. in terms of in terms of soundtrack, it's up there with stuff like Assassin's Creed 4 and uh, Grand Theft Auto yeah. San Andreas. A. Mm-hmm. Assassin's Creed 4 has an amazing soundtrack, Dave. Yeah, yeah, no, I said Bioshock. Oh, Bioshock. Sorry, I thought you said bollocks. I thought you, ca- oh, you cast no, me No, no, that, that was Bioshock 2. <laughs> oh, don't even get me started. Grim Fandango, anyway, you're, you're making me so angry this episode, Dave. If it is GB and then talking of shitty sequels, um, oh, Bioshock 2, so disappointing. Uh, yeah. Like a slap in the face. Well, yeah, it was, it was just a, a, a quick release, wasn't it, pretty much? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, sorry, anyway. Back to, so, back to well, Grim Fandango. Well, I think Grim Fandango, is, like I say, I highly recommend it, as I'm sure uh, you Oh, are. that's my... Wow, 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 that's my <laughs> shit. Uh, uh, as, as always, I say the Grim Fandango is highly recommended. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. Um, I, I hate to loop us back to the beginning of the show, but uh, we were talking about Lego. There were a couple of other Lego stories, or at least... Yes, one. bringing it back to Lego. Um, <laughs> sorry, Dave, you... You're not a Lego. You're not a Marvel guy by any stretch of imagination. Mm-hmm. However, I bet even you are looking forward to playing Lego Avengers. Yeah. Do you know what? Uh, this might be one I skip because I think it might be a little bit too close to Lego Marvel Two or whatever it was that I remember, or Lego Marvel that came out uh, a few years back. I can't imagine it's going to give me much more than that. Uh, I do like the Avengers films, but I'm not that worried about playing the Lego game. You've got to love Marvel Cinematic Universe to really get the most out of this. Mm. Even though a load, as you said, a load of those characters were available in Lego Marvel Universe. Yeah, I, just, I don't know. I, it kind of feels like, oh, we've already been here. We've done this. Um, a little bit like playing The Hobbit after playing Lego Lord of the Rings. Uh, Lego Lord of the Rings pretty much gave you everything you needed and the Lego Hobbit game wasn't that it's a shame because I'm not a Tolkien guy mm. um, that's, I never not, that's not what I've heard <laughs> <laughs> I'm the Tolkien guy um, because I'm not really into Tolkien stuff I never really got into mm. Lego Lord of the Rings or Lego Hobbit The it's like I will only play the Lego games that I've got an interest in so obviously I love Lego Star Wars because I quite enjoyed the first two Pirates of the Caribbean movie I was willing to give yeah. Lego Pirates a go it was okay um, it had some interesting new mechanics that they've not used since um, what else has there been that's been marvellous um, Lego Marvel Lego Batman of course yes um, but Lego Avengers I'm I'm I'm, agree- I'm in I mean I'll play it because I'm a sucker and I buy that kind of thing every time without fail yeah I'm, um, I'm, I'm sure I'll end up getting it but yeah you will um, but, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you're right Dave what extra content are they going to possibly have that wasn't in the last one I mean in fact you know with the upcoming Age of Ultron movie you've got the new characters Vision um, uh, Quicksilver and Scarlet mm. Witch 
However, all of those guys were playable in Lego Marvel Universe. So, see, see, I, and what concerns me is that does that mean that they'll, if they're just looking at the cinematic universe, does that mean they'll take out the X Men characters? Does that mean they'll do, you know, take out Spider Man? Uh, you know, does it limit the characters that are available as opposed to what you, <coughs> you can't you can't give someone everything because they they threw everything at that game you could there were like blue beetle and loads of different people who you know i've i've never even heard of i had to end up looking at the sort of uh, the marvel wiki to work out who these characters were uh, it was that kind of in depth but uh, i don't know I, I i just worry that it's kind of streamlining a game that you've already played a massive open version of yeah, I, it's, excuse me. It's like when they bought, it's like when they bought out the next GTAs. They've taken loads of stuff out that they put in. Hmm. And I, and, uh, the same with the WWE games. They take out stuff that they put in, hmm. in previous ones. No, a sequel should have everything that made the original great, <laughs> plus new stuff. Not, let's take, I know, let's do a new game, but we'll take out all of this stuff. I can. <laughs> you just made me laugh mentioning the WWE game. Uh, this week had the the DLC, the first uh, sort of um, season pass DLC came who out. Who wants to? Sorry, I know, I, I know exactly what that? you're saying. Sorry, go on. So, you keep talking. So, so after paying your whatever it was, like twelve thirteen ninety nine, isn't it? Yeah, thirteen ninety nine for your season pass. Uh, to get these different story modes, where um, in the actual game itself, you've got two stories. You've got uh, CM Punk versus John Cena, which is like 18, 19 matches worth of uh, a feud. You've got Shawn Michaels versus Triple H, which again is sort of 18, 19 matches worth of feud. And you've got cutscenes and everything else in the middle of it. The first downloadable one was nine matches long, and it was that storied halcyon days of when <laughs> Christian went against Randy Orton on one various more match one, one more match on various episodes of uh, Smackdown we got to see uh, 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 over the limit pay-per-view arena be, uh, being brought into play it was um, it was uh, underwhelming at best that's all I can say <laughs> but the worst was Excuse me, my throat. Uh, the worst was that there's absolutely zero achievements locked to it. And anyone who knows my uh, fandom of digital dick waving that is the Xbox achievements, uh, I was slightly miffed that I sat through nine matches of Christian versus Sheamus versus Mark Henry and uh, got absolutely dick or reward for it. So uh, that was uh, slightly annoying. But um, I d- everyone. No, I d- that I did not know. You see, Dave, I was thinking about this earlier. At the moment, I'm on a real Nintendo kick. I've got the Wii U and I'm really loving it. And I realised that sometimes I felt a bit unfulfilled when I did something really cool because I didn't get an achievement or a trophy for it. There was no. Like, whoop. Yeah. I, I, I was like, well, do I really need it? It's more like I'm, I'm doing the game and I'm enjoying it. Why do I need. Because a, a lot of the games. If I don't like them, I end up just rushing them to get all the uh, to finish the achievements to get like the finished game achievement, and then I'll sell it. Mm. But um, I, I forgot what it's like to play a game just for f- pure fun and not for that digital dick waving. Even though I will say now that I've got a higher Xbox Live <laughs> score than a lot of you motherfuckers. So um, <laughs> <laughs> okay, that that's just bad me. It's bad boy boo, or one word. That's on PlayStation Network. That's on the Xbox Live. And uh, even on the uh, Nintendo, so hit me up, yo. There we go. You can you can play Boo online. Um, I reckon, even though we've stated categorically 
<laughs> we do not do online gaming. Neither of us do online gaming. No, that's that's very true. Um, the uh, the third and final bit of Lego news, just quickly while we we're talking about Lego, was that um, the uh, the same website uh, I, uh, I cannot remember the name of it uh, that did the Ecto One um, Lego concept, where they basically they take on board people's ideas for brand new Lego sets that are going to come out. Uh, they have green lit two sets, one of which is Wally. As in, uh, as in uh, Pixar's Wally. Which oh, as in Where's Wally slash Waldo if you're American so the joke doesn't make sense. There we go, thank you. Uh, yes, so that's coming out. He does look very cool though. Uh, quite tempted by that myself. Uh, the other is a, a bit more uh, big news uh, in that it's a Doctor Who set. Again, both Boo and I have said that we are not massive Doctor Who fans. I have watched a lot more Doctor Who than Boo has. Uh, I've watched more original Doctor Who. I think I've watched more original Doctor Who. Old school. Anything post kind of Sylvester McCoy is the kid for me. Okay. So, You're not wrong, sir. You're not wrong. Uh, yeah, okay, so boozing only into the old school Doctor Who before been, uh, came uh, back, uh, uh, Are you ready for this day? After Sylvester McCoy, it's like Doctor Who gives a fuck. I suit, oh, there we go. We use that gag every time, kids. Oh, I said you <laughs> gives a shit last time. I'm... <laughs> oh, sorry. Progressive. Yes, unless... Yeah, the, I'm mixing it up. I'm mixing it up. Unless the, the companion was Ace, then uh, Boo is not interested. Um, but Doctor Who, oh. uh, they've... Finally. I don't want to fall in. Dave, I don't want to fall into an asshole. So Doctor Who's uh, going to be coming out uh, as uh, a Lego form. Uh, it's a big deal because in the UK, especially, I don't know whether it was the same in the states. They, the BBC, signed a deal with I think it was Mega Blocks. Uh, it was either Mega Blocks or Kicks. It was one of those two sort of Lego ripoffs. So t- sorry, just in case the milking lawyers are listening, I'm not saying in any way that those companies ripped off Lego. All I'm saying is that they were building blocks. Doctor Who stickle bricks. <laughs> Um, basically, yeah, so they signed a big deal in the UK, that deal came to an end, so it opened them up to being involved with Lego. Lego are now going to produce this, uh, which is, I think it's got like Doctor Who and the Companions or something. Uh, so yeah, it looks like that's actually going to happen, it's got the TARDIS and the, the current Doctor, etc. But, as we said with the uh, Lego Ghostbusters, could this open the, the world of a, a Doctor Who Lego game, perhaps, in the future? Come on, Dave. Look what they've done with Ghostbusters. Do we really need a Lego Ghostbusters game in the next few years? I, I will only play a Doctor Who Lego game if all the characters are played by females. Oh. Well, you know, they've been talking about having a female Doctor Who for years, and people forget that. Although it was... I don't know if this counts, but Joanna Lumley, for a very, 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 very brief amount of time on Children in Need, was Doctor Who. Yes, indeed she was. Uh, I don't think that's accepted as canon. I think that's just... Oh, and Atkinson was Doctor Who, for God's sake. In the same, in the same kind of space of a little episode. Rowan, just... Rowan Atkinson is, is our sort of spiritual leader for this particular episode. That's twice he's got an obscure reference uh, thrown in there. God bless you, sir. Um, <laughs> I love what I do. You've got to give it up to the Bean Man. Do you know what? Sorry, just quickly. Uh, it's He's so good that mm-hmm. uh, for years I would forget... When I was watching Mr. Bean, I was actually watching Blackadder as Mr. Bean. And because he plays so very, very different characters, it, it was so hard for me to separate the characters. And it's every time it dawns on me, I'm like, holy fuck. 
No, completely. A very versatile actor, uh, well, comic actor, definitely. Um, definitely, yeah, really good. Um, okay, so uh, the next thing up, we are going to, uh, we'll have a very, very, a very quick discussion about this. I, I don't think, I'm not sure whether you've seen it or not. The uh, Daredevil series that's coming to Netflix, they've finally released the teaser trailer. Did you get a chance to see it, Mr. Lamont? No, I haven't. But I'm going to as soon as we finish. Because you, yeah, I, know, I would I'm looking, you know I'm looking forward to this. Again, atoning for the sins of the past, uh, Netflix appear <laughs> to have made a proper Daredevil uh, cinematic-style TV series. Yeah, yeah, very much in the, the same sort of vein as Gotham, by the look of it. Very much in the same sort of vein as Arrow. Um, it, the, the teaser trailer is obviously pulled together from clips from the first sort of pilot episode not that it's going to be a pilot episode because it's Netflix Netflix doesn't do weekly kids Netflix dumps it on you so you can binge um, so oh, I think it's April the 10th uh, all of the episodes drop we can all sit there and enjoy those even though it's a Marvel thing I am very very tempted to watch if only for the fact that the initials DD kept popping up on my screen and I saw it as <laughs> some sort of Freudian message that I needed to get on board with this. Uh, yes, yes. Subliminally, David, it was written for you. But but in all seriousness, I can't wait. The fact that Vincent mm. D'Onofrio, however you pronounce this marvellous actor's name, is playing the Kingpin. Yes, very much I just so. think it's such a good idea. And no, I don't expect him to be this giant fat man with a tiny head like he is in the animated series and in the comic book. I expect a normal looking guy with above average strength and completely above average intellect and that is a villain I can get my teeth sorry Dave while we're talking about this did you see the guy not really off topic but there was a guy oh, I know exactly Venezuela who has had surgery to make himself look like the Red Skull. What I don't understand about this guy, and I'm going to go on a very quick David rant. No, 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 please do, because I actually want to ask, I wanted to discuss this, it with you. This guy has had implants, he's had like implants in his face to make his face more skull. Dad, yeah, he's had skull subdermal. He has right? had the tip of his nose surgically removed <laughs> to make it look <laughs> more Sorry. like the Red Skull. However... That is the ultimate in geek commitment to getting yourself looking like some character. However, the guy has not shaved and he has not shaved his head. He has a beard and hair. Is he committed or not? What is going on with this? I think the thing that freaks me out the most is that he's married with two children. And I mean, I don't know how old his kids are, but to watch my father turn into... If I... This sounds, this, sounds, this sounds like the Boulamont superhero. No, Dave. I never had a, 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 you know, I never had a mum and dad. My mum left before I was born. My dad didn't bother. Um, <laughs> um, but in all seriousness, no. The guy's got kids and he's married. Um, but, but he's also had a, a psychological thing, a psychological test to say that he's all clear. He's not mad. He's got no mental health issues. I, I understand being a fan. I understand altering your body in some way to show how much you love something. I've got, um, I have a tattoo of Terror from the New Teen Titans, the original 80s, uh, drawn by George um, Perez, mm-hmm. long before any of the Teen Titan Go stuff. Um, I've got Venture Bros tattoos. There are things I love, but I can hide these things. I can put, I can put a jumper on, I can put a long sleeve t-shirt on, and I can hide these things. That guy will look like that for the rest of his life. He's, t- he's tattooed his eye, he's had his eyeballs tattooed. Yeah. Just, oh. you, know, you know how they do that, Dave? They literally just inject ink yeah. into your eyeball. Into your eyeball. Yeah, it, it's, it's so extreme. And the bit that, where he had his nose taken off, I mean, to be honest, at the moment, he just looks like a communist Michael Jackson. 
Michael Redson. Um, the thing that confused me was at what point does any surgeon go, yeah, all right. Oh, yeah, 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 fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess it's the point where the check clears and then... <laughs> Are you sure you want to get this done? Yeah, sure. Oh, it's, well, it's going to cut. Well, I'm going to try and put him off. I don't know. It's going to cost you, I don't know, a million Venezuelan dollars or whatever their currency is. Oh, okay. Really? I mean, re- yes, yes, I yes. Just, I just, uh, I don't know. Get my Hippocratic oath. I, I Let's just look at this guy's money. I completely understand the idea of, uh, like, body modification and that kind of thing. And you get people who want to look as freaky and geeky as possible and everything else. But the idea of not just trying to look like um, a bad guy from a mom, from a Marvel comic, and let's face it, he could have just chosen Magneto and saved himself a lot of money. Gonna... <laughs> I, mean, I was thinking that. I was thinking all he's got to do to be Doctor Doom is just walk around with like a with a, like a helmet on. It's got to be cheaper. It's, it's got to be socially more acceptable uh, just to walk around doing an Ian McKellen impression. Plus, you won't scare the shit out of your kids. You take the mask off. Look, it's daddy underneath. Don't worry, kids. Don't worry, kids. There was a guy um, a couple of years back who, uh, I think he was a Filipino guy, and he had loads of surgery to look like Superman. So he's got a little bum chin. Yes, yeah. He had his nose fixed and everything. And to a degree, you can get away with that because you can just say, I've had plastic surgery because I don't feel comfortable in myself. It doesn't have to be looking like Superman. However, not tattooed red, tattooed eyeballs, subdermal part. And you know it's not over. He's going to have his cheekbones pulled in and he's going to have his chin shaved as well. So it's not even over. So he looks like a, like more like a skull face. I just, like I said, I mean, I, but we're, we're not ones to criticise because you're sat there, you, you know, you've had those implants for the Wonder Woman the transformation that you're going through. Hey, and, uh, you know, well, what can I say? But Algaro, just... eat your heart out. I'm going to be Wonder Woman. There we go. See, this is why he has a problem with all female casts of films. Um, they're bitches. I should be doing it. <laughs> <laughs> it should be me, David. No, I've I got no problem with, you know, as I said, I've got the tattoos. I've got some comic book tattoos because I love comic books. Yeah. Um, I, don't, I don't see a problem with that. I, I, it's just that I just think that's taken to the extreme. And I would never, um, I have a wonderful um, ex-lady friend who's covered in tattoos, has piercings, you know, and she was always into that kind of thing, and that's understood, but that's because it's for her. It's all stuff that she's interested in and all stuff that she wants. It's not so she can look like someone else. That's the bit yeah. that bothers me. He's trying to make... He wasn't even that bad a looking dude either. Oh, he looked right. like a perfectly normal kind of... Get a room, dude. yeah. Why don't you just marry him? Because um... well, so he looks like the Red Skull, <laughs> David. <laughs> no, and he doesn't I... have a vagina. I think they are called uh, they are called Virginas, aren't they? Is that's, that the uh, that's how I've got it spelled here. Yes, um, <laughs> <laughs> that's uh, slightly off topic. I must, yeah, like you say, but uh, yeah, it's a, a weird one. I saw that on the news today, and it, it, it's getting a lot of press, obviously, because it's it's that kind of freak show element. It's getting a lot of heat on Feels Twitter. Sure, getting a lot of heat on Twitter. <laughs> Talking of uh, heat on Twitter and wrestling, we will come back with some wrestling news in just a second. We will round up. Uh, trust me, it'll be brief because we've gone very wrestling the past couple of weeks. Um, but first up, I believe we have a brand new thing on the podcast, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, we don't tend to talk about music much, so we thought we'd bring someone in who knows exactly what they're talking about. Is that not right, Mr. Boom? Yes, indeed. I have been looking all over the place to find that little touch of comedy genius to bring it to a music review and I think I found him um, so please welcome uh, a new voice to 
of the show, and we hope you enjoy it. Here with a music review of Marilyn Manson's new album is my man, Nick Meekham. So seeing as it's my first audio review, and this could be going on a popular podcast, like most reviewers on a peer pressure binge, I have retreated into my imaginary hidey hole and scattered frantically around for albums I've listened to this month. And then I had to remember that the metal community have already been graced with one big release. Thank God for that, I thought. I thought I might have had to have the ghastly job reviewing Papa Roach's new album instead. And I can't think of a faster way of being booted off a podcast than reviewing a Papa Roach album. We all know by now who Marilyn Manson is. In the 1990s, he was a gawky goth scaring middle America. And in the 2000s, he was a fat goth scaring his kids with middle-of-the-road industrial music. In his current decade, no one really actually knows. I'm guessing he's a thespian that middle America has embraced. But while he has been praised for his recent forays in being an overpriced chorus actor, his music as of late has been missing that vicious identity that we all knew and loved him for. The Pale Emperor may not be that distorted 60-minute epic that we were waiting for, but it does certainly pack a bite. Only the kind of bite he would leave on your neck as he proceeds to give you the best slow, hard sex session you'll ever have in your life. Only for him to leave the next morning and you have to explain to your parents that that bruise on your neck is indeed a rash and that bastard never made those blueberry pancakes he promised to woo you with to get inside his seedy sex brain. The whole album is actually very enjoyable. It does promise some of the old Marilyn Manson we have heard in part in past times. Only we didn't get Hollywood Part 2 and more Mechanical Animals Part Deer. I suppose this is another way of saying it's industrial, Jim, but not as we know it. It's the equivalent of waking up after a night out and rather than hooking up with that 21-year-old blonde that you tried trying up after plucking up the courage to talk to her and by courage I do mean several Jaeger bombs, you ended up going with her slightly older, slightly less charismatic best friend who has just had as many Jaeger bombs as you. Presumably because you freeloaded the drinks off her. It wasn't what you had in mind, but if it's anything like my love life, a win's a win, you can happily skip down the street knowing full well that something beautiful has just happened. Okay, so you may be thinking that I'm a sex-crazed maniac who is probably not making the best first impression, but all this talk of sex does tie in neatly with my overall opinion of this album. It's a slow, deep, hard and heavy album that has distinct country and blues flavour to it. I would imagine that if Johnny Cash made an industrial album, this would probably be it. From the eerie, dulcet, tribal bass of the opener, Killing Strangers, to the dirty dancing up of Cupid Carries a Gun, you can hear that Manson is clearly having fun writing this album and unlike previous albums where you felt like he was just writing to keep his fans happy for another couple of years it has got some general identity and dare I say it's an album from an artist that sounds generally more grown up and mature some fans are going to hate the overall speed of this album or in this case the lack of but for those who are like me in their mid 20s and realise that I'm no longer angry at my mum for insert a generic teenage reason over here, you can rest assured that at least Manson is trying to grow up with his fan base. Unlike other bands I can, from his generation, I could happily tear into and complain about churning out the same angry anthem over and over and over again. There's a reason why I didn't want to review you, Papa Roach. Anyway, it's a solid effort and it deserves at least one chance before you put it into the friend zone. And I'm sorry that I'm talking about my shambolic love life all over again. Look, at least let this album take you out to dinner. You never know. You may end up 
making sweet love to this album and let the album explain to their parents about the bruise on their neck before it curses your date of birth because you never made those bloody pancakes either. from Nick Meekham, a very welcome addition to the Milky Podcast. Thank you very much, sir. We look forward to hearing much more from you going forward. Now it's time for a bit of wrestling news. This week's uh, wrestling news is uh, it's sponsored by ID Glide Lube. For when spitting on your dick just ain't enough. Gonna get a lot of heat on uh, on Twitter for that one. One, two, three. So a bit of wrestling news this week. I promise we will keep this brief because we have had our past two episodes uh, quite wrestling heavy uh, with uh, myself, Mr. Boo, and our very special guest, Scroobius Pip, who we mentioned before. Uh, as always, thank you very much to him for joining us for the Royal Rumble. Um, we hope that it gave his podcast a bit of a boost, Dave. You know, yeah, like, got, got some know. Give the kid a rub, man. He's he's a good kid. He's still got some good years in him, so uh, he'll be okay. Um, so the, the 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 main thing really we can mention, uh, without getting too too uh, quagmired up in in professional wrestling, is that uh, th- there was a a brand new podcast which we mentioned, uh, which was going to be Stone Cold Steve Austin interviewing Triple H. I saw it. I know you saw it. I've watched it twice now. It was wonderful, Mister Boo. Your thoughts? Triple H is a very very intelligent man. And pretty much said exactly what I said in our se- in the second part of our Royal Rumble show, mm. which is you take out the kayfabe is dead, yep. and if you give the fans what they want every time, there's no element of surprise. Yeah, no, I, yeah, I agree. I think it, my overall feeling from well, importantly, was... Triple H agreed with me, Dave, and I think I know he <laughs> listens to, you know, he listens to the podcast. He's got a he's got a bright future ahead of him. Uh, I'm sorry, I've just got to say, in all honesty, the way he skirted around the China issue yeah. absolutely fantastic um, she jumped straight China jumped straight onto Twitter and well, I wondered everyone. what you were going to say then but <laughs> <laughs> she jumped straight on his Twitter um, <laughs> and um, she was like you know if you want to see me in the Hall of Fame message WWE I don't think I think China was the only one that didn't understand what, what Triple H was saying which was if an eight-year-old Googles China, who's in the Hall yeah. of Fame, and they get met with an open pussy picture, um, it, it's it's going to have a dramatic effect on them, especially since it's China. Um, I, would, no. I, would, I would also argue that, though, that if you Googled Mike Tyson and saw he went to jail for a rape charge, I think if you Googled uh, Sonny and saw some of the things that she'd done over the years, it would be exactly the same kind of thing. I think it's just unfortunate <sighs> that... China went a more extreme route. Um, I, I don't think that's the only reason she's Once not there. Once you've been gangbanged by nine masked wrestlers and a clown, Dave, mm. it's very hard. What a night back. that was! I will never forget it. <laughs> I think the, the thing with China that you've got to remember is, at the end of the day, the only people who go into the Hall of Fame is if there is a commercial reason for them to do it. Yeah, I mean, everyone loves Coco Beware. Yeah, completely. And that, that best of Coco Beware DVD... Do the Birdman! Is one of the do best... Do the Birdman! Is one of the best coasters I've ever bought in my entire <laughs> life. And by that, I don't mean the uh, 1950s Soul Group. 
No, um, no, but I mean, the high energy DVD, uh, you know, it's so good, it's got its own separate DVD. It, uh, yes, absolutely. The, the greatest hits of uh, high energy is just. Uh, <laughs> I loved it. I know Owen hated it. Because from listening to interviews now, I know that Owen uh, hated the high energy gimmick. I loved high energy. Interviews I loved ch- now. How were they done by a Ouija board? No, back in like I've watched. All right, let me give some. Oh, Dave, that is so fucking horrible. Um, I watched the Booking <coughs> of '92 with Bret Hart. Oh wow, was it good? <coughs> yeah, Bret was like Bret was like, yeah, I, I had a really good match, and Ric Flair had just like a Ric Flair match. In fact, Ric Flair, he said Ric Flair was botching so badly at the end, I thought he was sabotaging me, but. Vince was like, you know, I just think he's in a different place. Um, but in all honesty, mm. yeah, the 92 timeline thing was really good. Mm. It was interesting, the subject is a bit. They were talking about um, how Jim left the company in 92 and they thought I could be aware over to be in high energy with Owen Hart. Owen Hart hated it. And every time he had to do one of those smiling pitches, it's through, you can see it's through gritted teeth. <laughs> I, 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 oh, Owen Hart was just awesome. Sorry, yeah, I, yeah. What a great guy! What a funny prankster! They were saying um, they're saying that Owen was so good. Uh, was this on the? Was this on the? Um... I mean, oh yes, sorry, yes, it was. They yeah, because yeah, yeah. he said um, Owen was so good, he'd go out and like he'd go right. I'm going to stink up the joint. But the problem is when the, it was hilarious when you were watching it. You were in there with him. You were the guy in the ring with him. Yeah. It was a damn trick. He'd go in the ring and say, "I'm going to stink up the damn joint." It was fine unless you were in there with him. Yeah, it was, it was it was very good. The, the whole interview I thought was cool. I thought he didn't pull his punches. I thought Triple H um, showed everyone why he is in the position that he's in. Um, anyone who's a, a fan of management speak and rhetoric will be a fan of this podcast because Triple H ums and ahs and spins things to uh, in an extremely uh, well-versed way, which you can see why he's managed to hold his position as long as he has, and will continue yeah, to do and so. And again, Dave, he's talking about the difference between being a wrestler and being a superstar. You can be a yeah. wrestler in the indies, you can't be a superstar in the You can be a wrestler in the indies, but you can't be a superstar. You come to the WWE, you don't, they don't expect you to wrestle the same way that you did you know, in the indies, just like if you went and played for that American football team you mentioned, you wouldn't go with another American football team's playbook. Yes, if, if, if you, you step into a company, you wrestle the way that company wants you to wrestle. You don't come in going, well, I know yeah. what I'm doing. I can, yeah, well, fuck it, I can do The analogy stuff. I use is you wouldn't make a Big Mac at Burger King. No, completely. Yeah. Absolutely. There we go, ladies and gentlemen. The, the podcast is now over. Boo has uh, drawn the line. Um, but I, the only, there were two bits that I called bullshit on. Um, the one was when he made the comment about CM Punk and he said that he didn't have a clue who he was until he came up to the main roster I think that's bullshit because I've heard stories from one of the writers at the time who was there when CM Punk was buried when he was doing a tryout by Shawn Michaels and Triple H backstage so we know he's where and I find it very hard to believe that when CM Punk was doing essentially Triple H's finisher from the ropes as part of his Pepsi plunge that nobody would have mentioned to Triple H oh there's this guy on the indies who's doing this really cool version of your finisher you um, give the indies too much credit Dave because I, belie- I don't believe that he'd never heard of it especially if he'd been brought in for a tryout where Triple H was at he might not have known he was CM Punk's but he would have known who Phil Brooks was because he came in for a tryout um, but the only people that I was aware of back in the day that WWE were looking at 
was TNA because they were the nearest thing to a competitor. Um, the only people that are aware of the indie guys are the talent scouts and the people who are out there looking for people to bring in for tryouts, the agent. So a lot of the time, someone of the, uh, someone of a Triple H's level won't know this, the know. India guys are. Whereas John Cena is a massive Boulamont fan and will not... John, if you're listening, I appreciate it. I will send you a signed picture or something. Just, yeah. just like keep doing what you're doing. I know I've been praising you the last couple of shows, and I am a John Cena guy. But for God's sake, please just stop blowing up my Twitter, my email. It's at Twitter at Boulamont if people want to get me. And tell John Cena to leave Bully alone. Bloody licensed games. Shitty rushed release games based on films, eh? You can't move for them in your local video game emporium, can you? Um, uh, yep. Yeah, you can. At least if you avoid inhaling the thick layer of dead skin cells that is the second-hand area of pre-modern era consoles, that is. Simply put, there aren't any movie games on the shelves in your local emporium. Or at least not that many anymore. Think about irritating Lady Child Please, a Frozen. I've seen a box game of that. There is one, Olaf's Quest on the 3DS, but that's it. The film was spewing merchandise like a 13-year-old boy after two bottles of Strongbow. So where's the game? Similarly, there was no mainstream home console commercial releases for Despicable Me or How to Train Your Dragon franchises last year, despite the massive potential for both. How about the ten-film strong Marvel Cinematic Universe? Sega kept shitting in its hand and throwing it against the PS3 and Xbox 360 shelves right up until the first Avengers film and then just stopped looked at its feces-covered mitt and walked away. The Avengers movie license just lay there, buttocks parted, sobbing gently, but Sega walked out, got in a cab and went home. The Nolan Batman trilogy? Batman Begins got a release on the dying days of the original Xbox. They're nothing. Think about how popular those films were. X-Men Days of Future Past is dripping in mutants ready to be unleashed in some lame, rushed God of War clone. But nothing. Freaking Star Wars 7 The Force Awakens has no game announced that ties directly with the movie itself, with Disney instead choosing to resurrect the saga-spanning Battlefront series. Movies seemingly perfect for video game adaptions, like Guardians of the Galaxy and Big Hero 6 have nothing but plastic toy cameos in Disney Infinity 2.0. In truth, there have been just two retail games released on the Xbox One that tie with new release movies, those being The Amazing Spider-Man 2 and The Lego Movie. Now, before anyone pipes up with Transformers 4, that was an original title that meshed the movie universe with the High Moon Studios Cybertron franchise. It's even called something different. The movie's called uh, Age of Extinction, and the game is called Rise of the Dark Spark. So get a nappy for your chin, Delbert, because you're chatting bum matter. In the PS2 era, they made video games for seemingly every new movie release. Instantly forgotten CG kiddie distracting fare like Arthur and the Invisibles and Planet 51 had titles released for them. Most of you probably had to Google those films when I mentioned them, and there's a good chance you'll mutter, what the fuzz is that when you get the results? So what happened? Well, several things. The video game studios have no idea how successful certain films are going to be, and you can bet the license for Planet 51 was quite expensive for Sega. 
It didn't have the Disney name behind it, but then neither did Despicable Me, Shrek, or How to Train Your Dragon. Planet 51 could have been as big as those films. Planet 51 actually turned out to be a pretty good game, if a little bit light, but no one saw the movie, so it didn't matter. It just didn't sell. The Wii Effect. The Nintendo Wii was the third biggest selling console of all time, behind the PS1 and the PS2. Everyone wanted to make games for it, and they did, and none of them sold. Even stuff like FIFA and Call of Duty had disappointing sales on the Wii, hence the lack of third-party support for the Wii U. And a lot of movie licenses came out for the Wii. And a lot of developers got very badly burned when those titles didn't sell. And so a lot of developers are reticent at releasing video game titles based on films now. There was another movie game title a long time ago in the dark history of video games that had a catastrophic effect, which we should cover next. Poor reviews. How long does it take to make a game? In the case of the infamous Atari ET game, it takes one guy five and a half weeks to make a video game. Howard Scott Warshaw was the guy who killed video games in the 80s, and it wasn't even his fault. Atari had big plans for ET. They secured the license in July 1982, where most of you were tadpole swimming around in your daddy's hacky sacks. The film was doing big numbers. It was riding the quest of the post-Star Wars merchandising wave, and it was a license to print money, provided that the game was out for Christmas. To release it after Christmas was to miss out on the last drops of hype before the next big thing arrived the following year. So it had to be rushed, so they had enough time to produce the quantity required and to get them in stores. But the rest is, well, well-known video game history. The game tanked commercially and critically. Atari got their financial asses handed to them on a plate, and minis of E.T. cartridges were dumped in a big hole. Which is ironic, because most of the gameplay involved E.T. falling in big holes. Ho ho! He got out of the holes, using his neck as a grappling hook of sorts. That was my favourite bit of the movie. Was it yours? It's a trend that continued, and actually understandably so. It's continued up until the console generation before last. You don't want to miss the hype train. You don't want to miss the opportunity to be cross-merchandised with the soundtrack and the t-shirt, or to miss the brand awareness of the bus stop posters or the TV adverts. The downside is, the window for having a functioning superb game out is very small. You have to wait for the license to clear, for the script to be finished, for the soundtrack to come in to be reworked, for the art assets for the movies to come in, and so that your game thematically matches that of the movie. Otherwise, people are going to feel swindled and say, well, what's this got to do with the film? It's a tough balancing act, especially with the game industry struggling with studio closures and the huge leap of expectations that the technological advances of the current generation of consoles brings to us. The Amazing Spider-Man 2 showed us that the old problems still exist when they do try. The game itself is as entertaining as punching a wasp's nest. Which is why the movie license is dead. At least in the traditional sense. For it still exists, it's just in different forms. There are relatively easy-to-program, low-risk iOS and Android versions of some of the recent films I mentioned. 
There's the odd digital release on Steam, PSN or Xbox Live. Again, low risk, as the production, distributor and retail costs are completely cut out. There's the Lego game route taken by titles such as The Hobbit. It's an established brand that parents and retailers trust, and the game engine is already in place. There's the aforementioned appearances of Big Hero 6 and the Guardians of the Galaxy characters in the toys and game crossover that is Disney Infinity. The best movie licenses have PlayStation 2 classic Spider-Man 2 apart, all been released sometime after the movie itself has been released. Everyone can cite N64 classic GoldenEye, which was released a whole two years after the 1995 movie. Then you've got recent titles based on classic franchises such as Shadows of Mordor or Alien Isolation. They fit into the aesthetics of the universes seamlessly, play brilliantly and don't have the strict time limit of a movie release to adhere to. Even going back to the days of 8-bit gaming, we saw what studios were capable of when given time, and that the title could still sell well despite missing the choo-choo to Hype Central. Ocean's Robocop on the ZX Spectrum was released a year and a half later than the movie, and is thought of as one of the platform's best-remembered titles. Sunsoft took their time with Batman, Die Hard, and Gremlins 2, and put out some terrific titles, especially when compared with the license-happy, terrible productions put out by LJN. LJN, for those of you too young to remember, with a rainbow standard of shittery on the NES. Shall we count down the best ever movie licenses in the next show then? Shall we? No? Well, I'm going to do it anyway because I always please myself, you soppy flannel wank rags. You got the feeling that you're milking it. You got the honey for the boys You wanna milk it, you know You gotta milk it and you know 